Welcome to the Efficient Private Clients podcast, where we delve into the intricacies of the financial world and bring you our latest market and economic expertise. Today, we are talking about the South African economy. I am Kyle Parpy, an investment specialist at Efficient Private Clients and your host for today. We are joined once again by Dr. Francois Stoffberg, our managing director. Francois, South Africa's economy. It's mm. in a bit of a mess. The economy is simply growing too slow to create jobs. It's leading to a lot of unhappy South Africans. Why are we stuck in this situation? Is it the ANC's fault? Is it our past creeping up on us? Or is it simply something more? (laughs) Well, all of the above. I think that's, uh, yeah, that's that's exactly, that's exactly where we are. Uh, Unfortunately, we're stuck in this, this trough is the the pretty English word, uh, where you have low growth, which we see now, we, we're struggling to reach 2% economic growth. Probably, you know, the Reserve Bank thinks uh, last year's growth will be like 0.3% or this, this year's growth 0.3 and then up to 1.5 and then 1.3 and then... So that's bad because our population is growing at about 2% a year. So if your population is growing at 2% but income, which is what economic growth is, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's the collective of everything produced or the collective of everything spent or the collective of all the income that is generated in a country. So if your income is only growing 1% a year or 0.3%, but your population is growing at 2%, it means everybody is getting poorer. Yeah. Yeah. The unfortunate thing in South Africa's case is that poor people are getting more poorer and rich people are getting less poorer, but everybody is getting poorer. Correct. So that's not nice. That's really, really not nice. And I think we're feeling that. I think we, we've seen that and there, there are all these statistics that, that are reported on the, amount, the number of riots that, that, you get, that you get every year. That's increasing. It's been increasing since uh, becoming a full democracy in 1994. Uh, people are unhappy. South Africans are unhappy and rightfully so. Mm. And uh, we, we've done a lot of research on this point uh, to try and understand why and where, do, where does it come from. And, and I think everybody, because everybody, it's easy just to blame government. It's easy just to blame, to, to point a finger and say, well, ESCOM isn't working and it's your fault for X, Y and Z. And, but it's not that easy. I think if you really want to get to objective truth, then you, then you have to go through the noise and, and get to the where, where the decisions come from and why the decisions come from that point. And uh, yes, then you can can maybe get to a point where you can make better decisions. And, and I think that's, I would summarize it in, in that way, is to say that it all starts and ends with accountable leaders. Accountable leaders uh, incorporate or produce or, or stand for the correct things. So accountable leaders can't be corrupt leaders, as an example. So for a long time, Corruption just ran rampant in South Africa. We know this. Everything came out and all these... Yeah, there's um, an uh, index to show it. There's an, yeah, there's literally an index to show it. And so corruption ran rampant So because we didn't have accountable leaders. We didn't have strong leaders in our, in our, in our country. Well, strong corrupt leaders, let's maybe, maybe we can say that. But we, if you have strong accountable leaders, then you should have strong accountable policies which we see that what's happened in China is a very good example. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Renier is speaking about that later, so then you'll hear more about that. But you, you have strong accountable leaders who introduce strong accountable policies, good politics, good policies, good economic performance. And the reason we say that, and I think this is, this is the, uh, a thing that, someone's, that you have to understand, is government sets the tone for the rest of the country. They set the laws in place which we play by. 
They yeah. set the rules in place which the game is played by. They have a large degree of control. A large degree of control. So you can't look at South Africa's economy without looking at government. A government's share of GDP, um, if you include state-owned enterprises and everything else, it's close to 40-45%. Mm -hmm. And then they dictate the rules by which we play, the laws, regulations, the compliance and everything that we have. That comes from government, it's enforced on the private sector. So they actually create the ease of doing business in South Africa as well. Ease of doing business includes load shedding, it includes electricity, ease of doing business, includes how easy it is to open a business as an, or close a business, which is an absolute horrific nightmare. I've tried doing that over the last couple of years, it doesn't work well. Um, uh, so is, you can't look at the, the economy and the growth or the lack of growth without looking at government, but it's not just government's fault and it's definitely not just the ANC's fault and I think that's a very important thing and we can maybe start there. Why we are in this position to a large extent, is as I said, lack of accountable leaders. Uh, then it, there was this great deterioration in the spending, the effective spending, one effective spending, and two then spending on uh, investments. And with investments, I mean infrastructure, in uh, the ease of doing business that you, you want to do, you, you, you have to be in a place where you create an environment where entrepreneurs can do business, flourish here, become absolutely fantastically wealthy and then create jobs because this is also something that our current government doesn't understand. Eight out of ten jobs globally are created by the private sector. For some reason our government believes that they are a em employer. They, they have to create employment in South Africa. Nowhere in the world does that work. It can't work. Mm. It doesn't work. They aren't an employer. Um, they, they, the government should never be an employer. Yes, they need to do their functions, I get that, but their primary mandate can't be to create jobs. Their yes. primary mandate, government, govern. We can talk about that later and what that means. So you can't move away from government. You have to look, look at government, but it's not just current government's, government's fault. You do have a lack of accountable leaders. And then we see it most prominently in the lack of efficient spending. And then, of course, on, this, on the second part, um, uh, you see it in a lack of spending on investment, which is, as I said, infrastructure, um, uh, including ESCOM, we'll get to that. Um, uh, it is a, a lack of ease of doing business. It's ineffective government spending on healthcare and, and education. Now, in my research, we've, we've proven um, uh, peer-reviewed, published research that spending as a percentage of GDP and total expenditure, we spend of the most in the world on healthcare and education. And yet we're not seeing results in those areas. We're spending a top five uh, as a percentage of GDP and total expenditure of all countries in the world. This includes the Denmarks, Norways and all those very rich countries. As a percentage of GDP, we're spending top five most on healthcare and education. We have the worst healthcare in the well, second worst healthcare, according to the Phillips index in the world. And we have the worst performing education in the world. 138 countries. Tim, Tim's and Pills does this study every year. We have the worst literacy, we have the second worst science and the worst math in the world. So that's... It says something. It, you can't build a sustainable long-term economy if you don't have the human resources to drive that growth. So we aren't spending effectively on healthcare and on education. And that's what you need. That's what the Chinese did so well. And if you want to read something interesting, the book is called How Asia Works. And they explain how, how they just got it right. They got this recipe right of effectively spending on healthcare and education, on infrastructure, on ease of doing business. And then, of course, in addition to that, then yes, you do get things like, like the, the policy that dictates the rules 
of, of how you operate in a country. Now, with that being said, the problem of investing in investments didn't start now. It didn't start 10 years ago and it didn't start in 1994. In fact, a lack of sufficient spending on infrastructure, on investments, started in the 80s already. Mm -hmm. Where we stopped spending at the rate that we're supposed to be spending, if you look at all other emerging economies, to create sustainable long-term growth. The, the, uh, uh, just as an example, just an, as an example, a good generator lasts about 30 years okay. um, uh, in the, in the uh, electricity generating space. So that means we started having our third load shedding, first load shedding in, let's say, call it 20, 2010. Just yes. to make the math easy, it was 28, but 2010. So what's 30 years minus 2010? 1980. 90, yeah. 1980. So that's where the problem started. That's where the lack of sufficient and efficient spending started. And it ballooned and, and it just kept on rolling. And then in 1994, what we have, had then and to absolute applaudable um, uh, uh, performance by, by, the, by the then elect uh, president, Nelson Mandela, and the policies that they introduced actually were the right liberal policies free market orientated to attract private the private sector to drive economic growth that's why we went into what we commonly refer to as the the rainbow nation period mm. it was just booming we were creating jobs like like unemployment was down to 22 percent 22 percent morale was up morale was, was up flying the won, flag. The, won the 1995 world cup everything was just going in the right direction but there was this undertone of redistributive policies that 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 swallowed us up uh, you, redistributive policies at best can lead to social development. It can't lead to economic development. So government then, after um, uh, President Nelson Mandela um, moved and, and went over to, to Tom Mbeki um, and then later Zuma as well, it became ever more, I, would, I don't want to call it socialist, I want to just call it away from the liberal policies, away from free markets, away from companies to, towards more the, the corruption that we had, of course, yes. towards more cater deployment that we had, towards more social development, to a more rich country status, but we weren't rich yet. Mm. We didn't have the money to, to dish out. Yes. So we, we ended up in a, in a position where we turned our economic policies into social development policies, and that's that shift from investment spending to current account spending and that's why the largest uh, expense that we have in our government is on salaries wages and salaries that's why there was this research done at, at uh, SAA as an example South African Airline, Airways as an example that they employed up to three times as many up to three times more employees than another airline of a similar size did because they used it for catered deployment because government started to believe that they have to create jobs not their place that's not what they're supposed to be they're supposed to govern not going to go into more detail. <laughs> so we, we, we ended up in a place where policy started to shift because leadership started breaking down after, after President Nelson, Nelson Mandela. And then with that breakdown, we had this shift towards more socialist, um, uh, socialist policies. And we kept on this breaking the pie into smaller pieces instead of working on creating the pie instead of having the policies that can create economic growth, mm. that can allow the private sector to create a bigger pie and then yes you redistribute it you distribute it then I absolutely agree with it so where we are now is that we are faced with consequences of the past of not spending enough on investments but something positive did happen in 2018 when President Ramaphosa was was elected but I think 
let's leave that for next time. Then we can start there. Sounds like a plan. Great. <laughs>